Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. Thanks for tuning in to my 16th episode and sticking with me this far. Or maybe you're a new listener. So thank you for finding my podcast. My goal this year is to hopefully hit a thousand listeners. So please tell your true crime friends about me or your friends who like listening to true crime, I should say. Um, Yeah, tell them about Hell No True Crime Podcast. Maybe Maybe they jive with me. Maybe they don't. It's worth a try. I try to stay away from, you know, like lengthy blah, blah, blah. You see some podcasts 15 minutes in, they're still yammering on. So um, I try to stay away from that. So you know what? Let's just hear the the case this week. October 17th, Orlando, Florida, 2015. 27-year-old Sasha Samsidine was supposed to meet up with her friend Anthony for breakfast. And when she didn't show, he got concerned and wasn't answering texts or or calls or social media Sasha had she was always on her phone and she was very active on her socials and her job was actually a social media manager she was literally a professional at social media so you can see why this concerned her friend Anthony, he even called a few of her other friends and was like, hey, have you guys seen Sasha? Have you heard from her? And they were like, no, haven't heard from her and um, nothing on her socials. So they were like, okay, let's go to her apartment building. So, you know, her friends were concerned because she wasn't responding. The night before that, they had had been out um, drinking. They were celebrating a sporting event and so her friends thought well maybe she's just sleeping off a hangover one of her friends uh even had sent her a text message saying like you know or if she's dead like you know how you do that when you've had a big night out you go hey are you dead um which later on we'll find uh police found that message very interesting sasha's friends go to her apartment because they can't get a hold they can't get a hold of her and they try knock or they try they do they do knock on her door but there's no answer they had also noticed her car was in the parking garage of the apartment complex and in the back seat was a wrapped present that she was supposed to bring to a friend's baby shower that day so her friends are like well her car's still here that present is still in the back so she hasn't made it to the baby shower either and since she never answered her her door her friends decide to call police and like yeah they're they're concerned but they're also still thinking like oh we're gonna look like total assholes when the police come and we cause a big deal and she's just sleeping in her in her bed sleeping off a hangover but they were like i don't know like something was just telling them like this situation is weird Um, yeah we better call police so yeah they call police police arrive but before they had called police they had also called hospitals just to make sure you know she hadn't been admitted you know from an accident or something like that police arrive at sasha's apartment and they gain access to have a look inside 
When police enter, they notice there is a distinct smell of bleach and the cupboard door where the cleaning products are kept is open. They make their way to the bedroom and see an arm hanging out from a rolled up blanket on the bed. They had found Sasha. Her shirt had been torn and she had bruises on her arms, legs, neck, and chest and she had been strangled it was apparent there was a violent attack and she had fought her attacker sasha's friends are they're still waiting in the hallway so they're waiting at her door while police are searching the apartment and when police exit the apartment her friends they don't even need they don't need a verbal answer because they can just tell by the the police's face and their body language that something is really wrong and I think like the given the lack of urgency they could probably assume that the situation is past the point of needing emergency services which is just that would be just very that would be such a haunting feeling because there's no urgency like that's more terrifying than the police running out yelling get emts but because they're so somber and not moving quickly that's oh that's so terrifying sasha had been murdered police investigate the crime scene and find the toilet seat had been left up and they even pull prints from under the side of it so they did manage to get some fingerprints Um, pulled out of the apartment they also find size nine shoe prints around the bed which shoe prints can be just as telling as fingerprints the fact they had both of these is it's very hopeful for the investigation they had also found a condom wrapper um, on the bedside table so it's possible there was sexual assault Uh, later the medical examiner said that he could smell bleach on her body so whoever did this did try to use bleach to to get rid of evidence because it does you know it does get rid of dna evidence and the the medical examiner also said it was it it was the worst strangulation he had ever seen like it was so violent so this was an absolutely horrific scene and whoever did this was an absolute monster Sasha lived alone and she wasn't dating anyone at the time so police were you know they were like why is that toilet seat up so there was no signs of forced entry to Sasha's apartment which meant someone had you know either followed her in or she let them in or somebody knew the entry code or yeah they got in without forcefully entering the apartment building that Sasha lived in was very upscale like it was very nice and actually known for its high security like that was one of its selling points it even had like 15 cameras surveilling it inside the building in the stairwells by the entry points and the exits police are like we've got 15 cameras around here we need that footage but the recordings they're recorded like third-party recordings so the recordings aren't kept in the building which I actually think are really smart because that means nobody can tamper with you know say somebody does something in there they can't find where the recordings are kept and then tamper with them but this also means police have to wait uh, for for the 
you know, the recordings to be sent to them. The apartment building is called uh, Uptown Place Apartments. And it's the kind of apartments you would dream of living in. It's a it's like a place you would holiday at. It was it's it is gorgeous. It has a gorgeous swimming pool, a gym, many layers of security, beautifully decorated, beautiful apartments, just a really nice upscale place to live to enter the building you need a key fob or you can let yourself in using an access code which will call your cell phone and then you can get in that way so you like type in your probably your apartment number may so this is what I'm assuming because I've never had a uh, access code like this and then when you type that in it will call your cell phone and then you can like answer your cell phone or put in a code and then it will let you into the building that way but the night Sasha came home she didn't have her phone or her fob on her um, she had lost those items at, at some point in the night. Upon entry of the building is a security guard. So even if you somehow slip in without a fob or an access code, there is a guard there watching over the door. Each apartment requires either a key for a deadbolt lock or an access code. So even if you get into the building, then getting into an apartment in the building, it's you know they've got big sturdy doors deadbolt locks or you need an access code and the entire time you're being filmed by multiple cameras if you're in the stairwells so you would think with all this security and I think the elevators as well so you would think with all this security it would be a safe place to live like once you get inside you think you would feel pretty secure to me it freaks me out mostly because I'm I'm not sure how these doors all work in in the event of like a power outage or a fire and um yeah it just freaks me out thinking about about um that situation anyways police want to speak with the security guard on duty that night uh because you know they watch over the doors they know everything that's going on and and they want to know you know did she come home with anybody did they see anything strange they just want to speak to the security guard so the guard who was on the night before he's contacted and sure enough he remembers Sasha coming to the apartments with two women the security guard says that the the security guard says that Friday night the three women were trying to get into the main entrance of the apartment but they couldn't get in because they didn't have a fob or a code to get in so he gets waved over to help and the two explained that they had found Sasha walking home and you know she's she's pretty drunk and it was kind of dangerous for her out there so they just offered to, to bring her home safely but she doesn't have her ID, phone or fob so it's possible maybe she lost her whole purse. Um, and as the guard is discussing this with the two women Another resident of the apartment walks up, puts in his code, the door opens, and Sasha's just like, peace. And then she just follows the other resident into the open door. The two women have no choice but to leave Sasha at this point, and 
they assume that she gets into her apartment now. The guard then goes back to work doing what he calls a sweep of the building, which means patrolling of the floors for anything unusual or suspicious. He said he find he found Sasha, you know, kind of falling into the walls and stumbling around and, and then trying to get into her apartment, but she couldn't remember her code. So the guard is just kind of watching her and he starts talking to her and and she says she thinks her keys might be in her car. So the guard offers to walk her to her car, which is in the apartment garage. So they start walking out to the garage. And as they leave the doors, like right when they leave the apartment, she goes, oh, you know what? I remember my code. And she wants to go back inside and try it. So the security guard is like, okay, let's go try this code. So he opens the door and then they both come back into the building and she runs to her apartment to try the code but the code still isn't working so the guard tells police that he then told sasha he was going to go finish his sweep and he would come back to check on her and if she still wasn't in her apartment they would need to figure something out so he says he goes and he finishes his sweep and by the time he got back she was gone and he just assumed that she remembered her code and made it into her apartment but he also tells police that later on he thinks he saw her again but this time in the hallway with a man and he also tells and police ask like well did you stop and talk to them and he said no they weren't doing anything suspicious they were just like walking through the hallway so police were like okay and he couldn't you know he could give kind of a description of the man but like you know nothing nothing to really pinpoint anyone Police do, however, have immediate access to the CCTV footage and they start looking at that footage to gauge a timeline and track Sasha before her entry into the apartment. But also, you know, to to get a look at the two women who the security guard said he had seen with Sasha. Police know that Sasha left a downtown bar called The Attic at 12.30 a.m. So they start with those cameras around that area and they they eventually see Sasha. So Sasha was wearing white pants and a purple shirt that evening and it was very easy to pick up the white pants on the camera. So they end up finding her on the CCTV and they can see her kind of stumbling down the road like leaving the bar but she's going into the right direction she's going into the direction of where her apartment of where her apartment is alone she is alone she then goes out of frame so they lose her but then they find her in another camera and they can see her like kind of running but the camera glitches and she is just gone out of view I saw this footage and it was like something out of a movie because where she's headed to is a sidewalk and she's crossing the road so that's pretty well lit but the sidewalk is covered in trees so it's really shadowed so and you know this is at nighttime so it's dark and the camera's rolling and you can see her cross like she's she's like running she's like jogging across the street and then the camera glitches and then all of a sudden she's just gone i didn't immediately think abduction because it was only a six second glitch in the camera i just assumed that she walked into the shadows and the camera could not pick up anything in in the shadows there was also two people standing on the street corner like having a conversation and when the camera goes 
back in after the glitch after the six second glitch those people are still standing there having a conversation like they hadn't even moved at all so like nothing had phased them I don't know it just didn't you can watch you can find the footage I'll uh, I'll link it in the show notes they lose her after that six second glitch but then they spot her again on another camera this time closer to the apartment at this point she is now walking with the two women possibly the ones that the guard had seen her with police really want to talk to these two women they get they get the story into the paper they get the media to cover it and they show a picture of the two women in the paper they show a picture of Sasha they're like hey were you these two women or do you know who these two women are we just want to talk to you and the two women came forward immediately they contacted police to say yeah that's us on the CCTV footage with Sasha and the woman you know they wanted to help in any way that they can and they come in for an interview with police these these women they are the type of women that give me hope in the world and in people they are amazing and if they ever hear this podcast for some reason I don't know why they would but if they ever listen to my podcast I just want them to know they are angels on earth and we need more people like them and I just want to tell them to never stop doing what they did because they're just amazing women these two women saw Sasha stumbling down the road and they saw a car pull up beside her inside the car was a couple of men and they were trying to talk to Sasha and the two women saw this and they were like oh this does not look good like she's clearly intoxicated she's alone it's dark there's not many people around so and this car is like creeping around her I don't know what they were saying but couldn't have been good so the two women see this and they walk up to Sasha and they put their they like link arms with her and they are like hey like are you okay like do you know you know where are you going they said Sasha was just very disoriented and and confused so they were like okay come with us and you know get into our uber and we will take care of you and she does Sasha gets into the uber with them she was being super friendly they were like okay like we're gonna you know we're gonna get you home safe so I'm not sure if they were going to let Sasha sleep on their couch or what but they stopped at a at a red light and Sasha recognizes her building this red light was right outside of her building and she's like hey I live here and the girls are like oh well wow that's really perfect so then Sasha gets out of the uber walks to the entrance of the building and the girls were like okay well we want to make sure she gets in her building okay this is how amazing these women are so they exit the uber and they are standing outside of the apartment building with Sasha as she's trying to get into the apartment building but she can't get in and they wave over the security guard and they're like hey you know we've we've got this girl here we don't know where we just met her but she was walking alone at nighttime and she's pretty drunk and we just want to make sure she gets home okay but she doesn't have her cell phone she doesn't have her fob she can't remember her code um so they're talking to the security guard and um yeah they say that Sasha followed in uh, another resident all that all that checks out like the security guard story matches the two women's story 
Police now have the footage from the apartment and they want to see if the security guard's story matches up with what they find on the cameras. 1.46 a.m. they see on the cameras that Sasha enters the building and following closely behind her is a unidentified male and you can hear him in the video. He asks, are you okay? And Sasha says, yeah. And he's like, okay, so police watch all the cameras in in every stairwell leading up to the floor where her apartment is on. And they only see her, the unidentified man. He was just another person looking out for her. Like he, he was never seen on any of the other, on any of the other cameras going to her apartment through the stairwell or following her or or anything like that so this identified male he's he's ruled out very quickly but police they keep watching about 20 minutes after first seeing Sasha in in the stairwell camera they see her again at 207 a.m it seems there are no cameras in like the hallways so like the, the you know where you put your code in to get into your apartment there's no cameras there they're only in the stairwells on the entries and exits so they see Sasha again and this time she's running up the stairs like I watched this footage and I would actually call that a run and then walking briskly to catch up they see the security guard and this matches you know his story of doing a sweep finding her trying to get her in try, you know her trying to get into her apartment but in this footage it looks to me that he is following her with intent according to the guard's story he says he then walks Sasha to the garage to see if her keys are in her car and this is also shown on the footage at 2:25 a.m. I watched this footage as well. I watched all the footage. And to me it's like Sasha had a moment where her instincts kicked in and she realized she was alone with a strange man heading into a parking garage and just said like, "Oh, I remember I remember my code." And then like wanted to go back into the apartment. That's the vibe I I got from from that footage. Yeah, like she was just like okay I'm headed in a wrong direction here I gotta go back to safety not into a parking garage with a strange man and she turns around and and you know the security guard lets her he has the fob but he has to let her into the building so they both come back into the building and she is walking in front of the security guard and the security guard is following very closely behind her but that's all the footage they have involving the guard and and Sasha and and all that seems to check out but remember the security guard said he saw Sasha walking with a man later in the hallway like after that so you know who was that guy police are like let's try to find footage of that but they never found it they could never see this footage of of Sasha and this man walking in the hallway so police are conducting interviews at this point um, and they interview Sasha's friend the one that had texted her like are you dead and the the friend it's it's you know he says it it's just something they say to each other after a big night out and I can for sure relate to that like oh I died last night that was like are you alive like you just say that when you drank too much and you're having a really terrible hangover so I you know I get that I can see where that's that's coming from this friend is cleared by detectives and so is her one ex-boyfriend named Taylor so it was it was clear to police they had nothing to do with it and you know he her ex-boyfriend Taylor he had no hesitation to give police a DNA sample investigators test the DNA that 
her ex-boyfriend Taylor had given them and it didn't match the DNA left on Sasha's body from the murderer. I mentioned several times that Sasha didn't have her phone with her that night but police were able to use um, the synced data from her iPad. On this iPad they could see a message that Sasha had sent at 5 12 a.m which I believe she sent from the iPad, um, which means she was still alive hours after making it into her apartment because she got into her apartment probably around 2.30 or something like that, maybe 2.45 at 5.12 a.m. She messages her other ex-boyfriend, Ben, and all the text reads was Ben. She just said she just texted him his name. So police are like, yep, let's call Ben because what does this mean? So Ben comes in for an interview and police ask the usual questions like how long did you and Sasha date? When did you see her last? And and Ben says he saw her. Uh, he's the the time the day that he saw her last was Thursday night and that they had been texting to possibly meet up Friday, but it never happened. But he did tell police um, that she texted him at 5:12 a.m. Uh, you know the the message that read Ben, to which he, I think he responded, and she didn't respond back. So he called her, but she never answered. Ben also agrees to give his DNA, and it also doesn't match the sample taken from taken from Sasha's body. And Ben is nowhere to be seen on the security footage from the apartment building. So investigators you know they do clear him but investigators do find something odd so they go to look over they're like right let's look over hours and hours of footage to see if we can see ben in the footage just because ben said i haven't been to her apartment friday or saturday so they were like okay so if we look at all the footage we're not going to see your face and ben was like no you're not i wasn't there and they do they scour over everything but they don't they don't see his face but what they do find odd is at 6 36 a.m the security guard they previously interviewed said he finished work at 6 a.m and there was a strict no overtime policy so why are investigators seeing him on the cameras at 6 36 a.m over a half hour after he finishes his shift carrying out garbage bags but these garbage bags aren't the typical black regular garbage bags you see you know mostly all the time these ones are kind of specific and they stick out they are white garbage bags with bright red handles which it really pops on camera like they're very noticeable and guess where police saw those same garbage bags that's right in Sasha's apartment Uh uh-oh looks suspicious investigators have some questions for the security guard and they would like to know more about his duties police look through his logbook and see that he usually writes complaints about people leaving garbage bags in the halls and he never takes out people's garbage so why is he seen doing this when he's not even supposed to be there Investigators decide to bring in the security guard for questioning and um, to give him a polygraph test, which he agrees to. The three-hour polygraph test and interview, it's actually up on YouTube. It's like three and a half hours or something, and I watched the entire thing. 
The security guard's name is Stephen Duxbury, a 33-year-old married man who has been working as a security guard for only six months. He had had multiple complaints launched against him in that six-month period from residents in the building. When they ask him if he's ever been in trouble with the law before, he tells them a story about his best friend's older sister who used to babysit him and uh, and his siblings as children. So this would have been, I don't, I'm not sure how old he was at this time, but it was definitely under 18, whatever age you're being babysat at still, I guess. So Stephen says um, him and his babysitter, they needed to go check on the animals in, in their barn. So he lived on a farm at this time. And because someone kept letting the animals out at night, he said it was like a kid down the road that was like messing with them who would go to their barn at night and open all the doors and and let all the animals out. And he said that day he forgot to plug in the electricity to the barn. So there was no lights in the barn and it was nighttime. So it was really dark. And he told the babysitter to stand at the stairs while he went to investigate the noise in the barn um, with uh, with a shovel with a shovel that he had grabbed for protection when he hears a board creak he said he turned around and he saw a shadow and he swung the shovel and it it was the girl she had moved from the stairs and was kind of following him around maybe because she was scared or what but the shovel ended up hitting the girl in the head um, he then says because this girl's mother didn't like his family that the mother of the girl convinces her daughter to claim that he had tried to rape her and then he pleaded guilty to that when the charges were were brought against him and he said he only pled guilty because he didn't want to ruin his best friend and his his best friend and his best friend's sister's life so this is a story he tells in that um three and a half hour interview during his um, interview and polygraph test so I couldn't really fact check this maybe because he was you know under the age of 18 when it happened I'm not sure if the record gets cleared but he did say he went to um, like a juvenile center for it and then they moved out of the state or out of the area and um, you know the parole moved with him so he was on parole but they kind of had to move out of the area after because things just weren't very good in the community after this for you know him and his family so this is a story he tells whether or not it's true I you know I couldn't verify it but I don't know why he would tell police uh, a story like that if it wasn't true in the polygraph um, they asked him if he had ever been in Sasha's apartment before and he said no but the polygraph showed that he was lying and that he actually lied on a lot of crucial questions and they were pretty sure that you know the results were were accurate but because it's not admissible in court they kind of need to strengthen their case you know in, in that polygraph test they had asked him questions like they were like okay so we're gonna just like say a bunch of different ways that it was possible that you know Sasha may had been murdered um and if you know how she was murdered say yes to them but the thing is police they never released that her death was strangulation 
during the polygraph test they say to Stephen, was she murdered by being shot he says no they say was she murdered by being hit with a chair and he says no and they say was she murdered by by being choked and he says no and when he says no on that the polygraph spikes and also his heart rate throughout the entire polygraph was at about 140 beats per minute but he tells police that he just has a very high resting heart rate but 140 beats per minute that's an insanely high resting heart rate so you know he was probably nervous and I mean that is kind of a nerve-wracking situation even for somebody who maybe has nothing to hide so you know they they really want to get this confession they switch tactics they well the polygraph ends and um now they bring in another detective so now there's two detectives questioning him and they use this classic maneuver where they you know they try to relate to the person and they say like hey she was so flirty and she was trying to pick up and this technique is used to get people to relax and feel like they're talking to friends you know not investigators so and this tactic you know they're hoping that they'll say like yeah she was really flirty and just try to get them to open up a bit and just kind of start prying from there but um steven never slips up he never says like yeah she was flirty he he maintains that he would never go into anyone's apartment and he had been asked before even um he doesn't say by sasha specifically but he says someone in the building had offered him sexual favors before he declined and the way he says it all is so arrogant like I encourage you to go watch this um, interview and if you're interested in like behavioral science at all then this could be a really good template to kind of study I used to listen to a podcast called anything you say I'm not sure if they're putting out any more episodes but it was really good and and they would take uh interrogations and investigations like interviews with people and they would have um, a behavioral scientist go through and talk about the body language and why police were you know sitting how they were sitting like nothing's an accident in a in a police interview like they're either purposefully gonna sit close to you or across the table from you they're gonna cross their arms they're gonna open their arms they're gonna cross their legs they're gonna sit relaxed everything detectives do in in an interrogation in an interview while conducting a polygraph who conducts it if they put a man in to do it if they put a woman in to do it if they touch your shoulder everything everything is is based on behavioral science if you are interested in that maybe check out some behavioral science podcasts and then watch this interview because i found it to be um quite interesting so at the end of the interview all the investigators had was a failed polygraph test but they didn't need a confession from steven because investigators have science not just behavioral science you know they tried that didn't really work but it doesn't work on everybody but what they do have is forensic evidence the shoe prints the dna and the fingerprints at sasha's apartment all turn up belonging to stephen duxbury the security guard who was supposed to be protecting people in the building not stalking sexually assaulting and murdering them 
Investigators also find on Stephen's search history at 5 a.m. the morning Sasha was murdered, he searched how to defeat a digital lock. And when police arrest Stephen, he had just reset his phone to factory settings, but it didn't matter. They could still see his search history. October 30th, 2015, Stephen is arrested for first-degree murder, attempted sexual battery, and burglary. It makes me wonder if he had done something like this before. In the trial, the prosecutor did such a good job at showing all the video footage and presenting all the evidence in chronological order and really painting a very detailed picture of you know what had happened and in november of 2017 stephen duxbury was found guilty of first degree murder attempted sexual battery involving physical force and burglary with assault he was sentenced to life in prison plus 15 years if he doesn't get out on parole or early release he will be around 73 years old when his full time is served I was thinking about that text message that um, Sasha had sent Ben at her Ben, her ex-boyfriend at, at 5:12 that morning. And some people speculate it could have been for help, but I like and it could have been for sure. Well, we know at 5 a.m. Stephen Duxbury searched and learned how to override or, or break into a digital lock. And by 512, uh, Stephen was at Sasha's door punching in a code or however he he got in and I think that maybe Sasha had heard this happening and in, and instead of yelling like hey Ben is that you you know to see if it was Ben maybe she just sent him a text saying like Ben like checking if it was him because that makes sense to me for some reason I don't know I, I just I really feel like maybe maybe that's that's why she sent that message to Ben and you know it's never there's never been a clear answer on why she had sent that Sasha Samsudin's funeral was held October 20th 2015 just three days after her murder and so many friends and family members attended it was a huge funeral so many people turned up to support the family and say goodbye to Sasha. Sasha was incredibly popular and well-liked. And and since she was so active on social media and creating content, you know, that was her job. You can actually find videos and she's just so beautiful, vivacious, and intelligent. Like you just can't help but be drawn to her. She is just a positivity magnet. Sasha's friends started a hashtag for Sasha called hashtag fancy for Sasha because Sasha loved to dress up. Friends and family later held a memorial for Sasha to celebrate her life and and to do so they released red balloons in her honor as red was her favorite color. Six years later, Sasha's brother, Kenny Samsadine, hiked the Appalachian Trail in Sasha's honor. The trail is over 1,000 miles long, and along with all of the necessary gear to survive, which is like a lot, he had like GPS, you know, you gotta, you, there's a lot of stuff involved in, in, in a hike that big. Kenny had also brought along a red dress tie, you know, as red was Sasha's favorite color, and the dress tie symbolizes just how fancy she loved to dress up. 
No doubt in my mind, if Sasha was alive today, she would be very successful. You can just tell from these videos, she had so much ambition. As well as being a social media manager, she also volunteered with like apartment buildings, like making videos, showing them off, showing them the amenities, stuff like that. And actually in 2012, she was named Account Executive of the Year at the AAGS Golden Key Awards. It's, just, it's such a heartbreaking case because she just had she had such a full promising life ahead of her and another really heartbreaking thing that I find about this case is that you know so many people tried to help her that night the two women tried to help her home um you know the man in the building the other resident asks her if she's okay she even makes it all the way up to her apartment and then into her apartment safely just for that fucking shit security guard to break in and, and carry out those unspeakable acts and 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 just steal her life it just makes me sick he never should have been a security guard in the first place and, and like I said before I wonder if he's done anything like that before because he said when he was a minor he he was charged um and you know that was probably like 10 years earlier so he gets charged for that he says he didn't do it but he pleads guilty and then almost a decade later he gets caught for um this horrific sexual assault and and murder and forensic profilers they will tell you that not just forensic profilers but investigators as well they will tell you that offenders they will escalate you know quite quickly with their crimes because they have to keep going further to get the same same thrill as terrible as this case is and it's it's just really terrible and, and horrible um the police and the forensics and and the investigators the detectives everybody did did such a good job and they they quickly caught steven because you know i don't i don't doubt that he may have acted out this situation again and he, you know maybe even being even more brazen about it next time i don't know if that's even possible um, I really believe that women everywhere are just a little bit more safe because Stephen Duxbury is in prison for a long time. Wow. So yeah, that case was really sad. But that concludes this week's episode of Hell No, a true crime podcast. And to Stephen Duxbury, you know I say a huge hell no. But I feel like it's even more important to uh, say, Sasha Samsudin, you will be missed by many, many, many friends and all of your family. If you're interested, um, please follow my Instagram and Facebook pages at Hell No, a true crime podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, you can give me a five star rating. If you know, if you think I, I deserve a five star rating, you know what? Just give me whatever star you want. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. Stay safe and see you next week. Bye.